This is Curious Minnesota, a Star Tribune project that sends staff from the state's largest newsroom hunting for the answers to great questions we receive from you, our readers. We're here to answer everything you want to know about the state's people, places, and culture. Welcome to Curious Minnesota. I'm your host, Eric Roper. Let's start today's show with a little audio of our topic. I think most listeners out there will be familiar with this sound, whether you hear it in your backyard or on camping trips. That, folks, is the American Red Squirrel. And today we will be discussing the wild tale of how Minneapolis Parks Superintendent Theodore Wirth successfully eliminated these animals from Loring Park in the early 1900s. In their place, Wirth substituted gray squirrels, which are commonly what we see in the Twin Cities today. Reader Dennis Becker wanted to know if it was true that a parks leader imported gray squirrels to Minneapolis from the East Coast. We're talking today with reporter Susan Dew, who wrote about this surprising history for Curious Minnesota. But first, here's Dennis. Many years ago, while I was talking to a neighbor, um, he said that gray squirrels were imported to Minnesota from the East Coast by one of the founders of the park system because he thought they were, uh, I guess, less mean than the red squirrels. But I've had some really pretty mean squirrels in, in my yard. Anyway, they, I've had them hiss at me, and, and I see all the damage they do. You know, they chew on things. They chew holes in houses. They dig up my wife's uh, flower bulbs. They also, in the summertime, they eat my strawberries, so I never get to eat my strawberries. And they even chew on the plastic or compost, and including the city garbage barrel. So, yeah, I, I don't like squirrels, at least not that many of them. There's just seems to be too many squirrels, and if there was, like, maybe less of them, I'd, I'd be happier. Well, Susan, thank you so much for joining us today. I love this story. Not only, I love the writing of this story. I love the topic of this story. I think that readers, it resonated with readers because it turns out everybody has opinions about squirrels. And I sure do. I think our listeners out there probably have opinions about squirrels. It's a story about controlling nature gone awry, perhaps, <laughs> or the risks of controlling nature, right? An age-old story. Yeah. Okay, so today we know gray squirrels around the Twin Cities. They're everywhere. And we don't know how much of what we're going to talk about today is attributable to sort of that full population, right? Probably really hard to tell that. Okay. But gray squirrels did end up all over Minneapolis parks because of what? former superintendent Theodore Worth did in the early 1900s. Okay. So to start the tale, we got to go back to the 1870s in New York. Why are we in New York? What's what's the significance back there? Central Park in New York was getting developed, Mm -hmm. and it was the flagship uh, park for our nation's cities. Our Minneapolis park founders also looked to Central Park for a lot of cues about what was trendy and fashionable to include in urban parks, and that included uh, little touches of wildlife, Mm -hmm. like squirrels. Okay. And so Central Park had imported some squirrels, and they were drawing crowds of people, of park goers, who would watch them sitting in trees, eating their acorns. (laughs) And it just brought people so much joy that Worth thought that he had to have some of those nice squirrels, but not the red squirrels, right. which were already in Minneapolis parks, they okay. posed a problem for him. 
So Worth gets here in 1904. We're familiar with this name because of Worth Park and things like this. He ends up becoming a very long time superintendent, right? So this is kind of the beginning of his very long tenure here. Yeah, uh, he was an iconic superintendent because he was in charge of some, you know, very critical years for the development of the parks and for the city as a whole. Mm -hmm. And you've written about how controlling nature or shaping the natural environment was very much a theme of his uh, of his tenure. Yeah, uh, living with the environment is kind of a new concept uh, for us. In Worth's time, he was just after landscape design of the perfect park Mm -hmm. that man could create. He he dredged wetlands, which we now know to be very ecologically important, Mm -hmm. to create these deep, clear water lakes, which were great for recreation and um, helped neighborhoods pop up around this new lakefront property that he created out of of swamps. Right. Some of which are kind of becoming swamps again in some ways. In climate change, yes. Right. <laughs> another another part of the story about controlling nature going awry. Right. So he has a very big affinity for songbirds. Is that right? And this kind of is what spurs the rest of this story? Right. Uh, Worth loved songbirds. And he noticed that red squirrels were eating songbirds. Um, and this is probably because red squirrels are very picky eaters. They typically just go for pine seeds and, and other tree seeds. But in rough times, they will eat songbirds. I just want to quote from the story here because there's a key line where you say, Red squirrels were ugly, mean-spirited bastards, guilty of every crime imaginable from eating baby songbirds to viciously attacking the reproductive organs of rival gray squirrels. And we debated a bit whether the word bastards was appropriate. <laughs> and we, we felt like it was. Right. It didn't seem to be a problem for anybody. Yeah. And I think that a big part of public opinion might agree with mm-hmm. <laughs> characterization. <laughs> so he doesn't like these red squirrels. They're uh, attacking his songbirds and these grays. They're sort of known to be what? Tamer and friendlier? Grays were reputed to be tamer and friendlier. And they do look fluffier. They have larger tails, fatter mm-hmm. cheeks, all of those qualities that we love in cute animals. Okay. So in 1909, he sort of launches this plan, which is sort of multifaceted. So w- what's what are the elements of this thing? So he's going to save his songbirds. Right. Uh, the songbirds were also endangered at the time because some local boys according to the newspapers, were mm-hmm. shooting them for sport. Okay. And so Worth cracked down on the kids shooting the songbirds in the parks. And then he had his park police start shooting the red squirrels. Wow. Okay. So the sort of second half of this is he's going to replace them with something, but we're not just driving out to uh, rural Twin Cities to pick up some gray squirrels. He's got them coming in from the nation's capital. Right. There was this prestigious veterinarian in Washington, D.C. named Dr. Cecil French, who was a purveyor of wildlife. And these included half-domesticated gray squirrels Mm -hmm. who ate out of his hand. Okay. So they were not your typical wild squirrels that you can just get out of any old forest. Mm -hmm. They were especially bred for urban parks to live among people. Right. 
So they make this long journey here from Washington and like there's a great anecdote. So I'm just going to ask you to tell the anecdote because it was like <laughs> it's just we couldn't not include it in this story. But what happens when they when they arrive? Cecil French sent these two dozen gray squirrels, these mating pairs, through the mail to Minneapolis. And they arrived in the Adams Express office and promptly broke out of their cage. They had been packed with all of this food, including cakes. And they had eaten (laughs) every last scrap of food by the time they arrived. So they tore out of their cage and were just exploring the office when the staff got back in and found these rodents crawling all over their workplace. So they freaked out because (laughs) they thought they were rats. Oh, no. um, Because squirrels were still not very common in the city then. And why wouldn't you think that they were rats? They basically are. And so they... uh, Tried to, yeah, it was um, (laughs) it was absolute chaos and consternation, and the staff tried to barricade themselves in different parts of the office. Mm -hmm. Eventually, they did realize that the squirrels were squirrels that Superintendent Worth had ordered. Mm -hmm. So they went around the corner, got some peanuts to feed them, and called Worth to come pick up his squirrels. Yeah. I love this. And we know this because of a very detailed account in like the Evening Star newspaper uh, in Washington, which is just kind of like, it's an amazing, amazing little uh, anecdote. Okay, so they're here. They, uh, despite this inauspicious start, they're here. So what happens? I mean, um, they go to Loring Park. It sounds like he had a pretty nice uh, situation ready for them when they got here. Yeah, Theodore Worth created these uh, small-sized cottages in the trees, Mm -hmm. which the Tribune described at the time. And the squirrels lived in those houses. And These are like nesting boxes? Correct. Mm -hmm. Yep. And uh, started their families. Okay. And so, you know, by 1919, about 10 years after Theodore Worth introduced the squirrels, he provided a little update in his annual report, and he declared that the whole experiment was a huge success. Mm-hmm. He wrote, the gray squirrels, which were introduced in Loring Park about 12 years ago, have extended their hunting grounds over the entire system and city. Wow. The people complain about them once in a while because they are destructive, where they make their shelter in buildings. But in the main, they are a great attraction, and their friends among the people greatly outnumber their enemies. Okay. We're going to get to sort of like the expert opinions about some of these squirrels and, and things like that. But let's fast forward once more. So now we're in 1930. This is 10 years after he has painted sort of this rosy picture of how things have gone. Uh, but then the newspaper is sort of saying, maybe this isn't so great after all. Yeah, there's just a lot more discussion after that about squirrels and their place in the city. But yes, by 1930, there is a more apparent divide in the way that people think about squirrels that Theodore Worth kind of alluded to Mm -hmm. um, about them having both friends and enemies. But the newspaper was saying that the squirrels had become really spoiled. Okay. They were cream cream puff squirrels, right? Is that what it said? Cream puff squirrels, extremely privileged. Uh, The Tribune was saying that they had so adapted to city life that they were practically no longer wild animals. The paper wrote, 
Any day in Loring Park, a squirrel may choose between ice cream cones, cake, and a dozen kinds of sweet meats, or enjoy all of them to his capacity. Instinctively, they still store acorns from the old oaks, but it is a lackadaisical effort. Oh, wow. So they've become totally uh, just dependent on all this sort of human food that's everywhere. And we have a photo on there on the, on the story of what really seems to capture sort of the cream puff vibe, I feel like, of, uh, of these squirrels. So you talk to uh, a number of experts who are experts in squirrels and in wildlife. Was this the right move? I mean, is it true that, you know, reds are worse than grays and that, uh, you know, it's better to have one over the other? What did sort of people tell you about some of the mannerisms that we know today about these different uh, different types of squirrels? There are some real differences between gray squirrels and red squirrels in their behavior. Mm-hmm. Charlotte DeVitz with the University of Minnesota, who studies squirrels in urban environments. Uh, She mentioned that red squirrels are more aggressive Mm -hmm. toward humans because they are territorial and they have little need for us and our sugary foods because of how picky they are as eaters. They would rather forage for their own food. They would rather we just stay away. (laughs) And so this is not a bad quality for an animal to have, obviously, but we, through our human lens, look at that as being unfriendly. And these squirrels are mean. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we prefer, some of us prefer the gray squirrels um, who are very dependent on people and love to come straight up to people, sometimes in a very insistent way, and take that peanut straight up your hand. But at the same time, a lot of these gray qualities that were given to gray squirrels were probably undeserved because Mm -hmm. they also strip the bark from trees. They also eat baby birds like Mm -hmm. everything else in nature. And their impact on the environment has been one of the reasons why they are actually reviled in the UK um, as an invasive species from America. So wait a minute. This is the opposite over or across the pond, if you will. Across the pond, the <laughs> reputations given to each of these squirrels is completely flipped from okay. their reputation in America. In the UK, red squirrels are seen as a national symbol of, you know, the vanishing English countryside and you know, in the indigenous squirrel of the UK, mm-hmm. whereas the American gray squirrel, which was imported to the UK by aristocrats who wanted to, you know, populate their estates with these novel new mm-hmm. squirrels, they are seen as, you know, diseased invasives that oh, are okay. threatening the local squirrel population and, you know. And they're trying to kill off the grays over in Britain. They've been trying to kill the grays. Mm-hmm. Since the 1930s, when they were designated as invasive species, okay, and they the English have found that it's impossible right. to kill all the gray squirrels because they've been so successful. Right. So now they are thinking about feeding the gray squirrels contraceptives and hoping that oh. this new tactic will work. Wow. Okay. So taking serious measures here to to curb this population. What a fascinating story. I mean, squirrels are something that we all see all the time. And I guess I just always assumed they were always here. And they were in some ways, but not really in the urban environment, right? Like in that sense? Right. They are the type of wildlife that urban dwellers probably interact with the most on a regular basis. And we tend to forget sometimes that we didn't always live so closely together. Mm -hmm. Well, Susan, thank you so much. What a fascinating history. Thanks. 
Okay, that's it for today's episode. Thanks, as always, to Matt Gilmer for editing this show. If you have questions for us or feedback about this podcast, send a note to curious at startribune.com. And if you're enjoying this show, please tell a friend about it. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Curious Minnesota. We want to hear from you. Ask questions and read more stories online at startribune.com backslash curious. Our show is recorded at the Star Tribune's headquarters in beautiful downtown Minneapolis. And our music is produced by Matt Gilmer. If you like the show, please rate us on iTunes or leave a review. And until next time, stay curious.